I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? All right, so this conversation just happened to me probably like an hour ago, and I want to make fun of this guy and get your opinion on him. I'm in Dick's Sporting Goods, and the Sporting Goods store, yeah, all across the country, and I'm looking for this. <laughs> it's everywhere, guys. If you haven't seen them, all everywhere, everywhere. And I try to explain some things sometimes. Well, we can't touch the Mandalorian, by the way. That no, get out of here. Um, anyway, no, we can we can't talk about what was the show? Thirteen Reasons Why, season two, and then Mandalorian. Now, apparently, I've spoiled for people. I didn't put think that we on the, spoiled put that on the anything list. <laughs> on yesterday's pod about the Mandalorian, but. Somebody said we did, so I'm Apparently. sorry. I'm sorry. We should have gave a spoiler. We spoiled. Anyway. We spoiled the feeling. <laughs> back, back, back to this conversation. This guy. I was wearing my Lamar Jackson jersey because I uh, basically sleep in it right now. And this this and guy comes up else. to me. <laughs> nothing else. That works in <laughs> the store. Winnie the Pooh style with your Lamar Jackson jersey. <laughs> and he tells me. He says, "Hey man, sweet jersey." Where'd you get it? Because we've been sold out it for a while. And I was like, oh, my wife got it for me. Awesome. Get blah, blah, blah. Brazilian, goes, Brazilian black market. <laughs> he said, <laughs> man, I love Lamar Jackson. He's my favorite player. Actually, the Ravens are my new favorite team. Ooh. And I was like, ooh, new favorite team. Okay. You know, ears, you know, go up a little bit. I'm like, red flag. Who is your, who is your team before? All oh, the Patriots. Man, I was a diehard Patriots fan. And, but now, man, since Lamar got in the league, I'm diehard Ravens fan now. Die hard. <laughs> what do you respond to that with? I mean, you are the definition of a bandwagon fan. <laughs> you were just a fan of the Patriots for like how long? And now Lamar is breaking out. And now you are now a huge Ravens fan. And you got to get the jersey. And I still don't know how to respond to that. So when I was younger, it would bother me a lot because I was born in LA. I grew up a Lakers fan. And then when the Lakers started winning titles again, you know, with Kobe and Powell, people. We're like, oh, we're, we're Lakers fans again. And I'm like, you're just a fan of a different team. And we didn't, and I wasn't living in LA, so it's not like it was, you know, you didn't have a reason. So you had to have some kind of ge- geographic reason as a kid. But now, now that I'm older, I think I try not to let it take anything away from my fandom, right? Like, so for you, don't let that guy try to take anything away from, from you loving the Ravens. Just let that guy True. be that guy, right? It's like, it's not cheapening your fandom because he's saying he's a diehard now it does cheapen the word diehard so you might have to come up with a different adjective for yourself but we're doing this right now with the mavericks i mean there's all these people jumping on the luca bandwagon right now and we are accepting all newcomers anyone that is that is coming here listening because you love luca now we welcome you we everybody come on get on board the dirk era if you were a fan in the dirk era those are the ogs but now Bring, bring everybody in, and we're not going to hold anything against you. We're not going to do that whole, hey, if you're a real fan, then who's this? And put a picture of, like, Roddy B up there, you know? Yeah, don't, don't be a gatekeeper. Not being a gatekeeper. Don't let it take – this is for Ravens fans like you and for Mavericks fans. That's don't let true. it take anything away from your fandom. I need to practice what I preach, and I should have welcomed this dude with open arms to Lamarism. 
I mean, you don't yeah. have to do that either, though. You don't have to be like, oh, I think yeah, it was the she... fact that he came from the Patriots. If he just said, yeah. hey, I'm a Titans <laughs> fan, but now I, Lamar's winning me over, yeah, welcome, bro. But you're part of this, the, the cheating and all that stuff. And anyway, but I was just stuck in that dilemma like an hour ago. So I understand the Patriots angle, though. The Patriots are like one of the most hated teams. So if like, if say some Lakers fan decided that he was going to like become a Mavericks fan and like host a Mavericks podcast, I would be understand why people would be upset about that. Exactly. I would write all the time. Be like, why am I listening to this Lakers fan? Who do you think he roots for when the two teams play? <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. On the podcast today. Oh, boy. Well, 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 well. We got some Porzingis news, which doesn't really matter. And again, this doesn't take anything away from the Porzingis situation or the, the fandom or anything. But we got an ESPN story from Ramona Shelburne and Woj himself about the whole Knicks situation. Porzingis was mentioned in it, and there's some excerpts in that story that we want to talk about for sure because there's some information in there I think you guys are going to want to know. Then, we'll preview the Pistons game tonight. The Mavericks play in Mexico City. Apparently, they're there right now. They went through customs. Brad Townsend, a friend of the pod, shared an awesome photo of just the Mavericks standing in the the normal customs line, which just... It's just amazing to me. Chrissy Teigen on Twitter the other day shared that celebrities have their own separate airports that they pay a membership to. Or maybe she was joking and I completely took it seriously. But she said they pay a different fee and they go through security just like everyone else. But it's at a different secret airport, like somewhere far away. Mm. I was like, interesting. I didn't know that. But And then they get like shuttled back to, <laughs> to the airport. But... The Mavericks apparently don't have that in Mexico. <laughs> they're just going through the customs with everyone else. They're just standing in line, and I thought that that was cool. And so now they're there in Mexico City about to play the Pistons. We'll talk about that. And then we we'll might get to talk about um, my video I just posted on my own YouTube channel. Click the link in the description below. It's a link all about – it's a video breakdown all about Luca's one big improvement that he made in his game. He made one specific improvement. We talked about it on Lockdown NBA the other day, but the one specific improvement that has just unlocked the rest of his game. So we'll talk about that. Getting to all that today, packed show. But before we do, Isaac, people have been sending in their five-star iTunes reviews, questions, and there's a couple questions we haven't gotten to yet, and so let's get to some of them. Not the Mama says... Can, should the Mavs put a package together for Draymond? And then Cole Sturgill says, how would Miles Turner fit next to KP? So let's just talk about both those guys together. Draymond Green and and Miles Turner. What would you think about trade packages for those guys? Do you think it's doable? And how would the fit look with Chris Alps Porzingis? Saying that you obviously didn't have to give up Porzingis. I mean, you're speaking my language if you ask about Draymond. (laughs) You know I love Draymond Green. I think he would be... I mean, he's every bit of the perfect fit for this team, in my opinion. He would give you <clears throat> the versatility next to the KP on the defensive end. He would give you playmaking at that spot. He would give you uh, just that grit, that defensive veteran presence. He'd give you the championship experience. Literally, he would check every single box, with the exception of just three a three-point shooter. <laughs> yeah, with a three-point shooter. But he would check all those boxes. He would be an incredible fit next to KP. Um, yeah. I would go get him at all costs if he was available. Yeah, that's not yeah, a no-brainer. If, for if me. you're looking at some of these players, you have to look. You have to look in the mirror, I guess, with the player next to you. I don't know, and say, does this player is this player an upgrade over the starters we have right now? And right now, this would be a huge upgrade over the, the Dorian Finney-Smith spot. 
Uh, maybe you'd have to give him up. Maybe you could keep Dorian. We love Dorian, but that would be an upgrade adding Draymond. He would fit perfect. He could play a small ball five with Porzingis at four still, you know, or yeah. however you want to shake that out or or even just label that. Miles Turner, I think, would be a good fit as well. Uh, he does have the shooting. He can shoot from the outside. He can block shots. I feel like it would be it, they'd be able to stagger Miles Turner and uh, and Porzingis. And I feel like I mean on the court it would work. <laughs> totally fine. It would definitely work. Um, yeah, I think he's I just, a d- decent enough roller for Rick's system. That was the second part of his question. Yeah, I just, I just don't know what type of package you're getting yeah, for. I, yeah, yeah, to be able to get something like Turner. Turner would, if Indiana's going to break up that front court, they're going to get an you know another solid piece and to go yeah with Oladipo, Sabonis, and all that stuff. And but as far as fit next to Porzingis, yeah, sure. I, I mean, he fits if you want to do the quote timeline thing as far yeah. as age stuff. He's right along that. Um, him and KP, man, defensively, that'd be kind of scary. Get out, yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome. And yeah, they both can shoot, so I, I think I think Rick would make it work for sure. But yeah, I I don't know what their trade packages would look like if you'd have enough. I want to say I would lean towards the Draymond that more of a possibility if Draymond hit the market, mainly because it would I, I would be so intrigued of what people would think return packages for Draymond Green would look like because I don't not every team would go after him and because there is the question mark of all right outside of that system and around those players what would Draymond look like what would Draymond look like in Atlanta right now you know I think there is intrigue you know questions around that obviously his age he would want to go to a win now situation but I just think everything yeah I think he would be a perfect fit in Dallas if they could get him for sure yeah if that whole situation blew up which i don't think that it will but all right coming up let's get into the porzingis news i guess it's kind of news i feel like most of us knew this but let's get into the porzingis story and then preview the pistons game and talk about luca all right isaac so on espn from ramona shelburne and adrian warjanowski this is an excerpt from that story the knicks began gauging interest in porzingis early in 2019 according to sources new york offered the new orleans pelicans a package centered around Porzingis in exchange for Anthony Davis. But former Pelicans general manager Dell Demp showed little interest in that discussion, and the Knicks took that as an indication that interest in Porzingis might not be as high league-wide. Porzingis and his brother Giannis, who served as agent, had planned to meet with management to discuss his future in January. But once Porzingis... Once Porzingis' brother found out that the Knicks were discussing a trade with the Dallas Mavericks, sources said they hurried a meeting the next morning and asked to be moved to one of four destinations, the Nets, Clippers, Raptors, or Heat. Okay, let me ask you this question. There's, There's a, a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff in there. Let me ask you this from New Orleans' perspective. Porzingis would have been the best player out of any of the players they got from L.A., right? Ingram's been really good. He's been good. It's a, it depends on what you want, right? If you, you want a guy that can be Assum- your, your go-to scorer. Would, assuming he would sign the like max extension. It's it, it's hard right now, recency bias, because Ingram's been really good and Porzingis hasn't been as good of a scorer, but he's been good at other things. What about that pairing with Zion? Pairing with Zion would be awesome. That's yeah. that's a good pairing, because that's your physical guy <laughs> with with Zion. like. That's a four or five that just does not make it, any sense if you look at the two st- probably standing next to each other, but would be amazing. I mean, that would it, imagine the package that would go back. You'd probably look at Porzingis, 
um, Nilakina, Kevin Knox, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Plus first round picks at two New Orleans. And I mean, I think the biggest factor in that for New Orleans is you probably just don't think, you know, Porzingis would sign an extension at that point. So why? Yeah. Uh, but Anthony Davis going to New York, how does that change LeBron? Like there's so many, like, so many things, so many dominoes. This, this whole thing can, can change. So what about this whole, so, okay. So the big thing that people were taking from this excerpt is that the Knicks were shopping Porzingis before he requested the trade. So everybody, all the Knicks fans been mad because Porzingis asked for a trade, but apparently the Knicks were shopping him before he requested the trade. Yeah, I I just never I, I never fully understood the Knicks fans' frustration with the whole Porzingis thing. Everything that he I mean, why why would you be upset? Like half of y'all are debating on whether to be fans of your franchise anyway. But when a player wants to request out, even if that was the first thing, how do you blame them? What are you being mad about? So I, I just never fully understood that. But the fact that it did come out that they were already shopping him, I mean, I feel like we remember a, a tad bit of the Phil Jackson entertaining stuff about him, and that kind of rubbed people the wrong way and stuff. And you know, it pissed off Porzingis in the camp if they know he's you know on the market at that point. But it's kind of twofold from for Mavericks fans, I think, seeing this report come out because there's two different feelings you have. You're like, all right, first feeling of. All right, back off KP. They were shopping him before he even requested. He's not, you know, don't don't harp on him that much. And then there's another feeling of, all right, well, did he hear that Dallas was interested? And then he went and requested four other teams. <laughs> yeah, this is the other thing is that the Knicks, were, as soon as they found out that they were discussing a trade with the Dallas Mavericks, uh, they hurried to a meeting the next morning and asked to be moved to one of four destinations, the Nets, Clippers, Raptors, or Heat. I have a theory. You ready to hear my theory? I'm ready. It's the Michael Scott famous reverse psychiatry. <laughs> reverse psychology. These, this is where we want to go. The Knicks are like, there's no way in hell we're sending you to where you want to go. You're going somewhere else. <laughs> Gave the Mavericks a better shot. How about that? Uh, I think I believe more in the theory of... Of all, maybe- of all the teams that this would be applicable to, the Knicks... <laughs> True, true. I think I'm, I might believe more in the camp of maybe he didn't think Dallas had even a remote shot with the package like they could put together. I think maybe it could have been that. Either way, no matter if no matter if he did say, no matter if he came out tomorrow and said, no, Dallas, I didn't want to go to Dallas at that point, he still went to Dallas and he still signed an extension. So them they sold him over the course of what from february to july they sold him i want to be here you have luka Doncic. everything worked out he signed the max extension so it's fine right now you know in hindsight it's just it's kind of funny but looking back on of hey he heard dallas was uh, in talks with them and he's like all right i want to go to one of these four teams and you don't blame him to extend i mean look at some of those teams i mean what la new york staying in new york Toronto. miami and then, yeah, the Toronto angle and all that stuff. But still, I think it's weird to say or look back on it and say, man, what kind of packages could those other teams put together? How would that have reshaped everything? How would that have reshaped Kawhi's future uh, in Toronto or <laughs> for the Clippers and just all that different stuff? It's fun going that way. That will be a new what if uh, for next next summer maybe. Of what Ooh, if, or, The Porzingis what if is going to be a huge one. Yeah. But anyway, interesting. Yeah, our what if series is going to be fascinating this summer. So many different new angles. All right, let's talk about the 
Detroit Pistons game coming up tonight. So they're playing in Mexico City, neutral site game. The Mavericks had a little bit of a shorter trip <laughs> than, than the Pistons a little did. Bit. But Pistons right now, they are 10 and 14. They have uh, their offensive rating is 10th in the NBA right now, so they're really good offense. They're 17th in the NBA in defensive rating, which is pretty good. They're 24th in pace, a little bit slower than the Mavericks. Uh, they were four and eight without Blake Griffin, and now they're six and six with him. They will not have Reggie Jackson for this game. He's been out since the first two games of the season, and he's going to be out for another week, I think. Uh, so this is the lineup that they've been starting. Isaac, think about this. <laughs> oh man, Drummond, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, Tony Snell, and Luke Kennard. That's their. That's been their starting five. Do you know if Boban got Drummond's minutes? <laughs> Stop. No. Don't make fun of people. Um, yeah, Bruce Brown or Luke Kennard as your starting point guard, that's uh, that's kind of rough. It's essentially right Blake Griffin as their starting point guard. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I know I've, I feel like Drummond gets too much hate. That's why I, I make jokes about it. But Drummond's averaging 17 points and 16 rebounds right Jeez. now, which is a ton. He's a rebounding machine. But, you know, they just played – the Pelicans a few nights ago, they only won by two, but Derek Rose for them coming off the bench. Huge. I mean, if you're talking about top five, six man candidates right now, Derek Rose has to be in that top five, maybe even top three, but he was the leading scorer the other night, 21 points off the bench. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he hit the game winner, right? In that game. Yeah, he did. He hit that, that game winner, the mid range. Oh, your boy, your boy, uh, Boy Scout Brian said the mid-range is dead, and he tweeted out that video. Oh, no way. Did he really? Yeah, he said mid-range is dead, and it was a video of Derrick Rose hitting a mid-range game winner. But they still bring Derrick Rose off the bench. They still bring Langston Galloway off the bench, too. So they decided to go Sands point guard in the starting lineup, and they have two of them basically coming off the bench for him. So uh, I don't know what they're – I guess this is what they're going to do till Reggie Jackson comes back. Their bench, like I said, Derrick Rose – Langston Galloway, Markeith Morris, not to be confused with Maverick Killer now, Marcus Morris. Our old friend Christian Wood coming off the bench for them. He got the he got the roster spot over Joe Johnson and then Thon Maker coming off the bench for them as well. Yeah, I mean, when you look at their team, I mean, obviously Blake Griffin leads the way. He's their leading scorer. Andre Drummond, they're built around their front court. I want to see, you know, what, you know, obviously Dallas played Detroit in the preseason. Uh, when Porzingis was knocking down the shots and we we were just sitting there with the heart heart eyes emoji mm-hmm. of just watching Porzingis just uh, drain shots and drain that turn away turn around like jump shot over or fade away over Blake Griffin for his first shot and we're like this is all day man this is gonna be <laughs> incredible um but yeah obviously I want to see the front courts I want to see what those look like I want to see uh Porzingis whether he's uh, he's probably going to be matched up with Drummond down low and just banging around with Drummond. I want to see you know, Dwight Powell, I guess, or Maxi or whoever starts at the four to guard Blake Griffin. Uh, yeah, anybody matching against that front court, it's going to be fun to watch. And yeah. I'm assuming Tony Snell is going to take on Luka. Yeah, either Tony Snell or Bruce Brown. I think we saw Bruce Brown take um, Luka last time, but I feel like Bruce Brown will now be charged with Tim Hardaway Jr., my guess. Or they could put Tony Snow on him. And- but Luke Kennard, definitely somebody that needs to be uh, locked up right now. He's averaging 16 points a game, third on the third on the team, shooting almost 40% from three, uh, four assists a game for him too. So he's had, he's kind of their young core, <laughs> just him. 
Yeah, I'll, every time I see Luke Kennard, I think of two things. One, I watched him play in high school one time up in Louisville, and he put up like 45, and I was just amazed. This He hadn't even, <laughs> obviously, he hadn't even went to Duke yet. And, but I also think about when he was coming out of the draft, I remember, I guess it was rookie season, and Rick Carlisle just praised him so much. He said he was one of the best pre, like pre-draft like pre workouts. He shot the lights <laughs> out, and, and yeah, he can shoot the basketball. It's just, I wonder what his long-term position is in the league. And yeah, I don't want to say too much about him because he'll probably hit like 11 threes. <laughs> average, so. Do Luke Kennard and JJ Redick and Tyler Hero and, and uh, what's, what's they, your favorite guy, Grayson Allen, do they all have a convention? Do they all have like a meetup or a group chat? <laughs> I, was gonna, I thought you were going to go with the sneaky athletic route, but. They are. Uh, That's what they call their group chat is this, the sneaky athletic. Well, more athletic than you think. And is is Duncan Robinson invited to that group? (laughs) Well, I was going to say three of those four guys went to Duke, but Tyler Hero at least went to Kentucky. Oh, he did? Uh, Oh, I screwed that up. Yeah. For the the jokes, guys. For the jokes. Yeah, Kennard, Reddick. Who was the other guy you said? Grayson Allen. Yeah, Grayson F. I thought for sure Hero went. I don't follow college basketball at all. Blue and white, same colors. There you go. They're the same, right? Kentucky, Duke, it's the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> you just pissed off somebody out there. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> all right, coming up, let's get into Luka Doncic. Let's talk all about the video I just broke down. Uh, there's some stats in there that you have to hear, and so let's discuss that coming up next. Luka, Luka, Luka. All right, Isaac, let's talk about some Luka Doncic. Okay, so I preface this video as saying it's one of it's the reason why Luca has improved so much. There's one specific thing that he got better at over the summer that has made him, you know, so good this year. And it's his driving. His driving has become so good. He's been so good getting into the paint. He's been so good uh, off his floater and all that. Which stat so let's start with just his drives in general. Right now, I tweeted this the other day. Luca's shooting 65.5% off of his drives. Uh, on shots off of his drives. Of the players that are taking at least 15 drives a game, so like your high-volume, drive-a-lot guys, your Westbrooks, your Hardens, your Trey Youngs, your Derrick Rose even, uh, Kyrie, Beal, all those guys, Luka is number one in field goal percentage. He's shooting 65.5%. The next person in line is Russell Westbrook at 58.7. There's a huge gap, like seven percentage points. Wow. Luca is the best high volume driver in the game right now. That's wild to me. Sorry, I was taking a drink. I thought you were going to keep going with stats. Nope, that was um, a, I was just going to start with that one. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, when you think about guys like Russell Westbrook and you think about just the monster stunks, people like him and stuff throw down, you would naturally just think about him leading in that category, but it's it's the it's the hidden part of Luca's Luca's game because if you're just a casual NBA fan, somebody like my dad, when I think of casual NBA fan, I think about my dad. My dad will constantly see the highlights on the Sports Center or on you know whatever it is, and it's the step backs and it's like oh crazy step backs, the cool passes. Luca does it all, but you don't really see the drop, how much and how easy he gets to the rim and how he's finishing at the rim. You sent me. Uh, you, obviously we can't describe this over a podcast, but you sent me two different shot charts and it was crazy. Just the, oh, I can like, discuss shot, it. 
shots uh, inside the three-point line, how last year in his rookie season, they were a lot more spread out outside the paint in that kind of mid-range area, and how this year so many of those green dots were inside the paint. So that sh- those shot charts I sent you were just floaters. Those are just the shots that he decided to take that were floaters. Last year, and this is one of the areas where Luka has really improved from last year, on floaters, he took 129 floaters, obviously inside the paint. He shot 33.3%. That's not good. <laughs> like terrible. It's like this Dennis year, Smith. This year, he's taking 58 already. <laughs> Stop. He's taking 58 already. He's shooting 53.4%. 20 percentage points increase. That's huge. That's, That's huge. That's massive. So basically, defenses have a couple options. They can double him. They can try and take away the three. They can try and take away the rim, but you can't take away the floater. Like you just can't take away that shot. And so Luca's getting it and he's hitting it at a high clip this year. And that's another reason why he's just unstoppable because he can score on three levels. And in my video, I break down how Luca doesn't take mid range shots. You know, if you look at his shot chart, he just, he doesn't take them, but he takes these floaters and that kind of opens up that area of the, of the, the basketball court for him. He doesn't need to take mid-range shots. He can take these floaters, put them in, and then that puts pressure on the defense to step up. And then he can he can you know euro step around them or you know do a step through move or you know a power dribble into a you know some another combination into a you know, shot at the rim basically. And so it's just it was amazing to me looking at that, saying how big of an improvement he's made in just that one area. <laughs> when. When you look at Synergy, so Synergy breaks down shot attempts into four different categories in this one portion of a Synergy player profile. They break it down into jump shots and then runners and then around the basket shots that are not not post-ups and then post-ups. So if we just take the jump shots out out of that, and that's mid-range, obviously any type of jump shot, mid-range, three-point, whatever, and look at the runner category, around the basket, non-post-up, and then post-ups. I've talked about how Synergy gives these different rankings of it's like poor and average and below average and above average and great and good and like all this stuff. And excellent is the excellent and very good and good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like it, it really does. Yeah. It goes good, very good, then excellent. And excellence, obviously, the, the top category at that. <clears throat> this is where Luca ranks in runners around the basket shots that are non post ups and then post ups. <laughs> Runners, he has 65 possessions in which he's taken a, a running shot. Scoring at 1.169 points per possession in the 91st percentile, excellent. Around the basket shots, 116 possessions, scoring at 1.534 points per possession in Jeez. the 97th percentile, excellent. Post-ups, only 15 possessions, but scoring at a 1.4 points per possession in the 95th percentile, excellent. It's this. I mean, it's just unbelievable the different, you said it best, the different levels that Luka can score at. And no matter what level it's at right now, Luka can score at that. And as you've heard a thousand times, he's just 20, and it's just his second season in the league. It's and, and when I was looking at I watched a ton of his drives. I think I watched all of them over again doing this video. But his ability to be patient in the lane, um, he's not – he, he rushes some things, obviously. He rushes some plays. But when he decides to drive, when he puts it into his mind that he's going to drive and get into the lane, he takes an extra second, an extra beat even, to just stop, maybe catch a defender and, and get them on his hip. Or he just has the patience in the lane and does not rush when he drives. He doesn't, you know, you don't see Luca a lot of time out of control driving into the lane. 
And you don't see him a lot of, you, you don't see Luka, you know, out of control, you know, flailing around the rim either. He knows what he's going to do. He goes in and gets it. And hopefully we don't see Luka like that because then that's when he's just trying to, you know, get bailed out with a foul call. He's not trying to get bailed out with a foul. You know, he hopes to get called for fouls, but I think he's going for the basket most of the time. Yeah, he's become, yeah, he's so smart in the lane. His decision-making's gotten better. It just looks like, it looks like over the course of a summer, and he was really good last year, but this looks like he's matured so much as a basketball player. This is why right now, I don't even, I don't, I don't understand this stuff right now. He is the most improved player right now. He, th- this is his award. I don't think anybody touches him in this award right now. He is up a whole different level. I don't care how good, like he was really good last year and won rookie of the year, but no one considered Luca last year. I mean, we joked about him being like a top 20, top 25 player, but we were like biased on that. He is consensus top five player in the league right now in the MVP conversation. That is a massive, massive leap. He's the most approved player. I know his pick and roll ball handling numbers get thrown out a lot, but there's only 10 players that have have had over 200 possessions as the pick, running the pick and roll as the ball handler. Luka right now is in second of those guys. It's 43% of the time. He's had 289 possessions. He's scoring at a 1.11 points per possession. That's absolutely incredible. Is, Can you take a shot at I was going to say, is, is Kemba number one? Kemba is number three. Oh, dang. Kemba's number three. Devontae Graham, number four. Dang. They just taken <laughs> yeah. that offense and just transferred it over to him. Trey Young is actually number five, and he he runs that at fifty three percent of the time. Yeah, Luke is at forty three percent of the time. I think he'd be up higher if John Collins was still playing, but it, yeah, he really would. Lou Williams is at fifty two percent of the time. <laughs> I said that like he died. He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> but number one, fifty percent of the time is a pick and roll ball handler and scoring at one point one three points per possession. Damian Lillard. Wow. Yeah. So Luca. Um, so we mentioned that he's he's shooting 65.5% on drives this year. Last year, he shot 48.7% on drives. So another huge improvement for him. Overall, just by you know being a better driver, he added almost three points a game to his to his uh you know his output and he also added some more to the free throw line as well and so basically just by being a better driver getting fouled more you know hitting his free throws i guess doesn't count as driving but also counts as his improvement he added seven and a half points per game (laughs) some players don't even average seven and a half points per game but he just went (laughs) he just did that as an improvement just off this one area and i thought it was this kcp average seven points KCP has not been bad. You need to back off KCP. I just asked. Can I give you one more Lucas stat? I don't know if he averages seven and a half points a game. <laughs> Maybe. All right. I'm going to give you one more Lucas stat, and it's it's funny to an extent. So his isolation numbers of players that's had, a, had at least a minimum of 80 isolation possessions. Okay. Okay. It's kind of crazy. Lucas had 84 of them. Okay. It's crazy when you compare him to somebody else. And he's in fourth as far as points per possession at .98. Fourth in isolation as one of the best isolation players in the league on top of one of the best pick and roll ball handles in the league too. Can you take a shot? Number one is Damian Lillard. He's had 105 possessions running the in isolation and he's scoring at 1.18 points per possession. LeBron is number three. I've obviously skipped number two. LeBron's at number three. He's had 123 possessions in isolations, scoring at 0.99 points per possession. 
Can you take a shot at number two? This is too many numbers. Can you, okay, can you take okay, so a, number take two, a shot the, at the most efficient isolation player? Yes. Right is basically what we we're asking. So I'm gonna yes, assume, it, I'm gonna okay. assume it's not James Harden because you wouldn't say that. No, Mark, it is James Harden. But number two, I wanna, yes, it's James Harden. But this is the crazy thing about it. Lucas at number four with 84 of those possessions. Damian Lillard's at number one with 105 of those possessions. LeBron's at number three with 123 of those possessions. Can you take a shot oh. at, according to Synergy, how many <laughs> possessions that James Harden has ran the isolation so far this year? So you're ranking this by efficiency, not by total isolation. So James Harden well, it's is... It's ranked by points per possession, but right, right. I just wanted to point out the possession yeah. number. So Harden, I'm going to guess he's double Lillard. I'm going to guess 250. 334. Oh my god! <laughs> so that's, that's the difference. When people I mean, say Luca's just doing the same thing as Harden, that's the difference right there. Luca's it Luca's really, had what eighty isolation possessions, and Harden has had eighty four. Absolutely incredible, and yeah, and James Harden uh, is scoring uh, yeah at one point one five points per possession on those possessions. Not saying it's not impressive. Not saying it's not impressive. Just saying that the stylistically, it's very different. 39.7, so basically 40% of James Harden's offense possessions are isolation plays. Anyway, we're pressed for time. It seems low. All right, guys, there you go. That's our talk for today. We'll be back tomorrow to break down the Mavericks game against the Pistons in Mexico City. Mavericks basketball is back tonight. Let's go. Let's go. Finally. Let's, Three days off felt go. like forever. <laughs> That's an eternity. They need to get uh, – yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this game. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. So, boom. Boom.